Welcome to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Senior Pastor Matt Homeyer. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. We are talking about uh, the faith of older people today. I just want to point out, Debbie's the one that chose to talk about dinosaurs when we were talking. That's that's on Debbie. That's not not my instructions. Maybe that wasn't as funny as I thought it might be in my head. Let me pray for us as we enter into this sermon moment. God, we do thank you for today. We thank you for the breath in our lungs for each of us at every stage of our life, God, that we represent here this morning. Father, we thank you for the veterans among us uh, who've done so much to protect us and provide for our country and our freedom today for which we are thankful. For the many other ways of service, Father, represented here in this group that in this body, this family of faith today that help your kingdom to go along in the world, that bless and encourage and lift up, God, we are thankful. Now, as we contemplate how you are using us in our families, God, may you speak to us, may you encourage us, may you correct, may you prompt, may you give to us the word we need today. In your name we pray, amen. Well, it is good to be with you today. If you are visiting Fellowship, uh, excuse me, Trinity Baptist Church today, we are especially glad you are here today. You you come uh, on our last day of a series, which was always kind of interesting to come in on the end of a sermon series, but but it's also kind of fun because you, you you get to uh, have it wrapped up in a nice, neat bow for you. We're, we're talking about uh, these last four weeks, this is the fifth, the roles that each of us play in our families father, son, daughter, mother, grandparent, aunt, uncle, cousin, all of these roles, and how God uses us in each of these roles to shape and form faithful families. And we've talked about the child-parent relationship from kind of both angles. We've talked about marriage. We've talked about singleness. We've talked about the flaws in our families and how God uh, calls us to tenaciously turn to him and come to him even when our family uh, has flaws, even when our family experiences brokenness and how God may be present to us in that. And today we're talking about a couple things, but largely we are looking at the faith, how God uses us in the, I'm going to call this the latter third of our life. That's kind of, we're going to call it older adults. There's sort of some disagreement of what you all who are in the latter third of your life, as Debbie said, kind of 60 and up, what to call you. There's not, but a New York Times article did a survey a few years ago, and by far the preferred term of older adults was older adults. And that's also the term we use here. We have uh, Karen Goodman as our pastor of older adults and discipleship. And so uh, that's the term we're going to use. But we're really looking at the last third of life. 
So I will allow you to select into whatever group you feel most comfortable being in. I won't put you in those yourselves. And this is what we're going to talk about. But, but we're talking about more than just how God uses us in the latter third of our life. We're talking to you who, who feel you're in that zone. But we're also talking to those who are younger. We want to get there <laughs> one day. That's kind of the hope that we're working and living for. What is the challenge for what God says to older adults? How does that affect how we live in, in young life or middle life as we approach older adulthood? There's really a word here for all of us, either in how to live today for who we are or how we live today for who we hope to be. And so this is what we are here to discuss this morning, in particular, because one of Trinity's core values, one of the things that's really important to us is that we are an intergenerational or multi-generational church. We want to be a place where when we ask, you know, how old people are and they raise their hand, we're, we don't do that often, trust me. We have a lot of different people. I mean, we want to be a church where the age span of our church is always at least 100 years from, from newborns and babies and new life coming into the church. I want to be at hospitals when babies are born, and I want to be at 100 birthday celebrations, sometimes in the same week. That and everything in between. This is part of who we want to be as a church because we believe there's richness in the generations blessing one another, mixing, being in friendship together. When I was preparing this sermon series uh, a few months ago and thinking through it, I started researching what are other pastors preaching about when they talk about families. And, and there was really predictable things. Almost everybody talks about, you know, maybe some different moral issues affecting the family. Almost everybody talks about marriage and, and parenting. Almost no one included a series on, on the faith of older people, faith in the last third of our lives. Isn't that interesting? I mean, older adulthood is probably going to be the longest, or it may be, the longest of our stages that we live through. If we, we all aim and hope to grow into that age, once you're in that age, you hope to extend that time period for as long as you can. Biblically, it's such an important stage of life, the latter third of life. And yet so often in the church, it's kind of looked over. We focus on the young. We focus on the future. Uh, we don't always give right attention to the older people among us and the challenge Christ has for us who are younger and older in light of that. So I thought it very important to focus on this as part of this series. You know, but I told you all, I, I started out pastoring in Marble Falls, just up the road an hour and a half. And if you don't know Marble Falls and Horseshoe Bay, they are largely retirement communities. They're wonderful little communities in their own right. But many in Texas and many of you uh, have vacationed there. Some of you may have had a place there through the years. I mean, it's a goal of a lot of younger people to work hard, earn, do well, save so that you can retire to a place like Marble Falls and Horseshoe Bay. I went there at 26. Kelly was 25. So and we were babies. We were real babies. And everyone I had been around up to that point was either in school or starting out their careers and just kind of starting your 401ks and 403bs and kind of aiming for retirement. Retirement was something you, you would just was like a distant, distant dream. And then got to this place where everyone was retired. And 
you know, when you're younger, what do you refer to those retirement years? We refer to them as the golden years, right? I mean, that's when you have nothing but time on your hands, when all you do is fish and golf or do whatever it is you want to do and you you finally earn the rest that you want. I had these uh, illusions of what retirement is. And then I got to live among a lot of quote unquote retired people, older people. And one of them finally told me, pastor, I'm not really retired. I'm just in a non-revenue generating life stage. She said, I'm, I'm really as busy as I have ever been. And I thought, oh, what a great phrase. I, I learned that you who are older really don't have much time than we who are younger. You've got, it's different, it looks different, but, but you have many demands on you, serving family, serving the church. There, there's so many doctor's appointments, any number of things that you have going on. There are many great things about the last third of your life, certainly much to look forward to and work towards. You do have some time and flexibility to be with your family. You do have time and flexibility perhaps to invest in the church, invest in the community, serve in ways you maybe were too busy or didn't have time to serve otherwise. I also learned getting older is not for the faint of heart. You know, that's a pun I did not intend there. <laughs> I mean, there's unique struggles, frustrations, even unique temptations of older age. I found in serving in in Marble Falls, serving here, dealing with parents and grandparents getting older, the degree of unhappiness, dissatisfaction, the searching for purpose really doesn't differ a whole lot from older people and young people. Life stages change. It presents different obstacles, different challenges, and the same basic life questions have to be addressed again and again. There's frustrations with declining health and energy. Many struggle to adapt of the life without a job to go to. As a pastor that um, has reached older age, he's now about 80. He wrote this a few years ago when he was in his late 70s, and, and he talked about for most of his ministry, pastor as a younger person, pastoring older people, how unique it was to be a pastor as an older person. And in this, he identified temptations he has seen as a younger pastor and now as an older person who is a pastor of temptations that come with older age that those in the older category uh, must deal with. He said, there's a temptation to be sentimental or nostalgic about the past and negative about the present which is to say to misremember the past, to remember the good parts or kind of color it how you want and, and miscolor and be negative about the present. So there's a temptation to remember wrongs long in the past and dwell on them instead of letting them go, forgiving and moving on. So there's a temptation to grow fearful about the future, not just your future, but the world's future without you, the future for your children, grandchildren, great grandchildren and to fixate on it. He said, there's a temptation as more friends pass away, as death becomes more a part of your regular life, to shrink your social social circle, to become less connected to those around you as this happens. In short, y'all, the last third of life is no picnic. It provides many, many joys and many challenges. Older age, uh, and also though biblically, if you're gonna look at the Old Testament, y'all, when you hit 80, 
that's kind of about when God's really ready to use you. I mean, it really is interesting how God, we've talked about how God has a predilection for dealing with or using unlikely people in unlikely ways. Throughout much of the biblical story, it's the latter third of life, complete with all of its joys and its challenges, where God tends to use people in very unique ways, not exclusively, but, but there's a pretty broad witness to this. I mean, just think about Abraham. Abraham, when God called Abraham and Sarah to leave the land and travel to a land they knew not before the promise even came, they were seven, or Abraham was 75. Imagine that, 75, having lived so much of his life. They are uh, 100 when uh, their child is born. Now, don't worry, I'm not counting on you all to populate the nursery, right? These are just sort of stories we have going on of how God uses us, blesses us, uses us in older age. Moses lived two-thirds of his life caught between two worlds, 80 years of his life, 40 as this Egyptian prince, uh, 40 as this Hebrew runaway shepherding for his father-in-law. It wasn't until he was 80, it wasn't until he was 80 that God caught his attention at that burning bush met him there and led him back to Egypt to rescue his people. And then he led the people in the wilderness another 40 years, so he was 120. Two of those young men who crossed the Red Sea there with Moses were Joshua and Caleb, both who ended up leading the people of Israel well or until they were nearly a hundred. Daniel used greatly in his life from his teens onward. But you know when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den? Right about 80. That changed how we view the lion's den just a little bit. Simeon and Anna, at least 80, when the call of their life was finally fulfilled and they saw the baby Jesus. Paul didn't quite make it to 80, but he made it probably to his late 60s working diligently, riding up until the very end till he is crucified in his late 60s. Now, some of you might argue, right, the Old Testament was a different time. People lived longer than any number of things, and that's a point well taken. But the commonality between all of these is that God used them mightily, perhaps used them to their fullest extent possible in the latter third of their life. It was their experience in those first two thirds, in some ways their faithfulness in the first two thirds, that equipped them to be used in that latter third in a mighty way by God. I say all of that to provide a really broad and deep foundational biblical spiritual truth that in the kingdom of God, there is no spiritual retirement. There is no time when we can relax and stop participating in the kingdom of God, stop joining in the body of Christ in some way. That, that really often into, uh, as long as we have our mind and as long as we have some function of our bodies, perhaps beyond. There is a way for us to pray. There are ways for us to join in. There is a call of God on our lives, something God has for us to be used that is waiting for us out there, that God is speaking to us. It's a truth for all of us. There are no exemptions to being an active servant 
in the body of Christ, an active participant in the kingdom of God, youth or older adults, busy or not, poor or rich, we all have this call to serve as we are equipped and gifted to serve. Paul gives us a little help here. It's going to be our, our main text for today. Not so much in exactly what we are to do at any stage of our life, but particularly in this latter third, but perhaps in who we are called to be. And that is often so much the call of God. We discern what to do, but really the call is who we are called to be, whose Christ is shaping us to be, and often within who God calls us to be, as we seek to be that, become that, have Christ shape us into that, we discover what we are to do along the way. And, and in Titus 2, 1 through 3, if you've got your scripture with, us or, or your, with you or your phone, you can follow along in Titus 2, 1 through 3. Paul gives us some examples of how we are to live in our older age. If you remember the book of Titus, Titus was a disciple of Paul or a, a mentee of Paul. Um, he followed Paul around. Titus at this point is in the island of Crete, uh, leading the church of Crete, a church of Cretans, which is just always kind of fun to say. No disparaging those on Crete, it's what they're called. But if I say Cretans in the sermon, I'm not disparaging them. That's just what they were. And Paul is writing Titus, instructing him on how to instruct the church at Crete. Does that make sense? So Paul's instructing the pastor on how to instruct the church, sign up as a, a bishop or overseer in this role Paul is. And he provides some instructions, Paul to Titus, Titus to the church, for instructions for old men and some instructions for older women. And in Titus 2, 1 through 5, this is what he says. But as for you... Teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, which is to say sober, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. You remember that word from last week of David, uh, his God's steadfast love for us, this uh, Hebrew word of hesed, uh, that the unending, never-ending, always pursuing righteousness, favor, love of God. And David asked for that same heart to be in him, that, that heart, that love that would not quit pursuing God. This is that same word, steadfastness, that heart-beating, pursuing God that never ends, no matter what is thrown our way. Steadfastness. Verse three, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to too much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. So again, not so much on what you are to do, but a calling and a, and a challenge and a bar for who you are to be and for all of us on who we are to be becoming in Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit active in our lives with our lives submitted to God. These don't require a lot of translation for us or explanation. Older men, sober-minded or temperate. I mean, the translation really is just sober. Uh, don't be a drunk. Exhibit moderation and restraint in your lifestyle. 
balance and wholeness in your lifestyle. Don't be a person of, of extremes. Dignified and grave. This doesn't mean you don't laugh. It doesn't mean you can't even be silly, but it's in contrast to a fool. We know a fool. Fools have a way of revealing themselves very quickly to us through actions, through words, through bearing. Have a seriousness to you. Have a bearing that, that of wisdom, of, of Christ-likeness in your life. Seek for Christ to exude through the way you talk, through the way you love others, through the way you work, through the way you act in the world. Self-controlled, prudent, sens sensible. Sometimes control does become harder when, when our bodies don't work like they used to, if our mind fails us at any stage of our life. We've all known those folks, though, in older age who just stop practicing self-control. They say what they want, nice or not. <laughs> they complain about what they want, reasonable or not. And we all kind of chuckle and say, boy, can't wait till I can say what I want when I get that age. <laughs> but we don't take them seriously. We don't see in that Christ-likeness showed. For as long as we are able, self-possessed, self-controlled, sensible, sound, and then finally, sound in love, sound in charity, the mark of all Christians, agape, self-giving love, sound in perseverance, steadfastness, this, this steadfastness of pursuing God, committing your way to God over the years, no matter what, come what may. This is the call. And then it goes on uh, for, for women, reverent in their behavior as becoming holiness. Again, deep respect and love and obedience in this, not slanderers. You know, you do have sometimes in older adulthood and other times, just more time to sit around and think and to sit around and, and visit, to wonder and to speculate and to feed your mind with whatever you're going to feed it with, largely around others in the same situation. And, and pointed wrongly, it can lead to slander and to gossip and to any number of conversations. And this goes for us at any stage of the game that don't lead to the fruits of the Spirit, that don't lead to encouragement, that don't lead to building others up. Look at your life and your conversation. Is the conversation with you and your friends and those you're closest to at any stage building others up and encouraging? Or is it constantly kind of biting and leaving you sour? This is part of the call for all of us not to be slanderers. I really don't think, and it goes into more, not slaves to too much wine, just as men are told to be sober. There, there's these sort of cultural parts of caring for the family and building the family and, and caring for the family over the years and teaching the next generations to do the same. I honestly don't think we have to separate the men and women too sharply. This forms the picture of faithfulness in older age. This was what Paul considered if you follow Christ along the way and are blessed to reach older age, this is what life should look like. This is what younger lives should be aiming for. This is what all of us as we turn to Christ should be asking Christ to create within us and trying to live in such a way that the Holy Spirit has room to do it. It's interesting. We did deacon ordination last Sunday night. The call 
uh, as, as Arthur and Mark were, were ordained as deacons and for the deacons that were here to be reminded of that call, the, the charge to deacons, which are called to be servants and leaders of the church, is almost identical to this charge of older adults. That if Christ is working throughout our lives, it should produce Christ's likeness in us like the leaders and servants of the church. You know, my friends who are older, if you want to find purpose in this stage of life, if you want to continue shaping your family as I know you do in a Christ-like manner, if you want to continue to serve the church and, and continue to explore and grow into who God has called you to be and formed you to be for this stage of life, this is how you are called to live. And the question for you who are in the latter third of life, have you lived in such a way that these characteristics of Christ-likeness have been cultivated in your soul? None of us do it perfectly. So I'm really glad we're celebrating communion here in a little bit together. There's always calls for repentance. There's always calls for growth. There's always a challenge for Christ-likeness to be ever more present in our life. For the younger ones in the room, the question for us is, are, are we living in such a way that these are being formed in us? They are not exclusive to older people. I think Paul's just saying that if you follow Jesus for several decades, these should be in your life. But for those of us who've also been along this journey, are we living in such a way, not just aiming for retirement, aiming for wisdom? aiming to be a servant of the church, aiming to be one that, that people come to in, in their problems and with their challenges, trusting wisdom and Christ-likeness in that. Part of the challenge of younger adulthood is how do you gain wisdom before your time? Generally, the only way to do that is make your mistakes and learn from them. The only other way to do that is to find wise people that have already gone through it and be in such relationship with them that you might just learn from their mistakes and avoid some of your own. This is the beauty of the intergenerational church. Older folks, you've got younger folks to invest in. Don't gripe at them and tell them how to live their lives. Listen to them. Pray for them. Love them encourage them, and as they ask, provide the wisdom God has given you through the years. Younger people, take these older folks to coffee. Go to lunch with them after the church. Let your kids get to know them. Learn from them. Ask of them. Lay your life kind of bare before them and see what, may they, have learned, what they may have learned through long experience that you can gain from the body of Christ will grow as a result of such friendship, of such relationship, of such mutual investment, one in the other. It's one of the great joys and benefits of this church. For all of us, as we wrap up this series, what role has God called you to play in forming a faithful family? I mean, what are the names your family has given you of uncle, aunt, 
grandparent, parent, cousin, brother, sister. What people are represented in those roles you are called, that you pray for, that you love, some of whom are following Jesus and close to Jesus, some of whom are far from it, all of whom have their own struggles and their own ways that we need to pray for and where God is calling us to bless and serve. What role is God calling you to play in forming a faithful family? We're gonna be around our families, most of us, more over the next month or two than we are the rest of the year, which means it's opportunity to bless and it's opportunity to encourage, it's opportunity to give gentle and kind, long lasting witness to the love of Jesus. It means you will have opportunity to answer this question in real time. It's good that we, I can ask the deacons to come forward celebrate the supper together as we talk about when we celebrate communion. And hear me say, if you're visiting with this morning um, and you are a believer in Jesus, um, seeking Jesus with your life at any stage, we invite you to participate in this. This is not just for those that are here every week or are official members of our church. We'd love for you to be a part of this with us when it is served in a minute. Every time we gather and receive the supper, we have an opportunity to reflect on our life and how we have lived since last we took this supper. And here it's every month. Yeah, deacons, you can sit down for a minute. You don't want to stand that long. And reflect over this last period of time, how have I been living for Jesus? In what ways has my life not lived up to Jesus' hope for it? Or in what ways have I responded to the call of God in my life? What ways have I not responded to the call of God in my life? Today, it may be you got Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up and graduations and any number of things happening. And you say, man, how is God calling me to be a faithful family member in this coming season? And you contemplate, we all contemplate these questions as this is served. And we have opportunity here to repent of where we've fallen short and turn our, confess that and turn our way to God. We have opportunities to commit our way to God in a new way. Say, boy, as I am being nourished by Jesus, I commit to follow Jesus in this way. And we receive in ways we may not others the grace Jesus has for us in this time. We believe that the Spirit of God is alive and moving in our presence and therefore is alive and present in this meal, this symbol of Christ's death for us. We come to, uh, when Christ broke bread for his disciples at the Last Supper, he invited them to eat of his body and drink of his blood. And we come today to accept that invitation that as we receive the cup and as we receive the bread, we take a few moments to reflect on what Christ has done and commit our way to Jesus, listening all the while for any word God may have for us. For those with eyes to see and ears to hear, this can be a catalyst to a life of repentance, forgiveness, and faithful living. enjoyed your segment of the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with senior pastor Matt Homeyer. Join us next week for another segment. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org.